children are leaving with their leaders to have their time, and today we're going to turn again to our series. Our series, if you have not yet joined us, is called The Favorites, Unlocking Popular Verses in the Bible. And we started a few weeks ago, we started in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, a text that was really my favorite verse in the Bible, verse 15 of the third chapter of 1 Peter, which tells us to always be prepared for anyone who ever asks you as a reason of the hope that you have. The reason that we have hope is simply Jesus, and he is the way we can keep our hope. So that was our first week when we started talking about the favorites. It was one of my favorites. And then last week we changed up and went to a very popular, a favorite of many different people, written in John chapter 3, particularly verse 16. For God so loved the world, he was only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, yeah. So today, we continue the series, now into our third week, and we look at a letter written to the church of Philippi. So we turn to Philippians, and we're going to turn specifically in Philippians to the fourth chapter, where we find a very popular passage that contains several verses that people consider among their favorites. Among the verses that we'll find today in the fourth chapter of Philippians, in verse 4, we're going to find the word to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, Paul says, rejoice. And also in the same reading, in the same passage, will be chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. These verses are very popular. They're the favorites of many people. But let us get a flavor of the entirety, and not just the entirety, but a good portion of the fourth chapter. We're going to read verses 4 through 13 of chapter 4 of Philippians. So stand with me this morning as we do so to look upon a couple of popular verses, and we'll expand upon them, of course, but let us look and see what the Word says in relation to the verses that we find very popular. In chapter 4 of Philippians, in the fourth chapter, in verse 4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and a God of peace will be with you. Verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the reading of this text, or the popular verse, or verses, among many for people today, Lord. But we want to expand upon the text today, Lord, and see how this offers us a modern-day application of how a popular verse, Lord, or verses, can translate into some things that we need to perhaps apply to our lives. So we ask now the Lord the Spirit to lead and to guide and direct. 
I pray, Lord, the words that we said here today that we would hear would not be the words I want to say or that I want someone to hear, but to what the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and direct us into our hearts. So, Lord, direct now. Fill this place, Lord, with your spirit. Let's receive your message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, notice again, we started in the fourth chapter in verse 4. And notice as we go back to that verse where we started, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Notice how it's written according to the way we receive it. It's like it's written as an imperative, like a command. Now, for simplicity, then, we can take those words written in verse 4 and narrow it down to two words. Simply rejoice always. Because it instructs followers of Christ, which would be you and me, in every circumstance that we have in life, that we are able to rejoice, that we are blessed, and we have reason to be joyful. In fact, we could take that verse, and we could say that it expresses the command that God with us, which is the name Emmanuel, means God with us, that God with us and for us, that we can be happy all the time. Let me ask you a question. Do you know people who are just happy all the time? I mean, you might know someone. Or perhaps you've seen one of the most popular shows of all time, Duck Dynasty, right? Duck Dynasty had a saying. You know what the saying was on Duck Dynasty? What was it? No, it wasn't quack. Phil Robertson in the gang, particularly his brother Cy, would always say, happy, happy, happy. You remember that? Has no one ever watched Duck Dynasty? Oh, happy, happy, happy. Later, get back on Google and or on whatever your favorite watching television, whatever it is, Google or find the episode of Duck Dynasty, and they're probably going to say, happy, happy, happy. Yeah. But here's the thing. Is it really possible to be happy, happy, happy all the time? I got a co-worker, his name is Ricky who always seems to be happy. I mean, every time I meet the dude, bro, every time I meet him, he seems to be always in a good mood. He's always smiling. He's always chuckling. I mean, he just seems to be always happy. In fact, the drivers in the shop at the school have nicknamed him Happy because he's always happy. Now, we toy with him a little bit. We give him a hard time. I mean, he's about my age, and you know the fact is he's never been married. So we possibly, a bunch of the guys there think that maybe... Do I need to say the rest of it? Maybe he's happy because he don't have a woman telling him what to do all the time. But I enjoy that aspect of marriage. <laughs> but there it is still. I mean, he's happy. He's always happy. He's always smiling. But again, the question, is it truly possible to be happy all the time? Is it possible to always be rejoicing? And that's a good question we need to ponder and think about because for a lot of us, happiness depends on the situation that we're in. Now, our tendency to be joyful is contingent, as seems, upon our circumstances. But you may know that Paul, when he's writing this letter, I mean, he's in prison. And rather interestingly here, while Paul is in prison, he's now writing a letter and encouraging others to be joyful and to be rejoicing but it seems as you read the letter to Paul, even in the situation, the plight that he's in, he can even be rejoicing himself. 
So it's not like his empty words. He's telling them to be rejoicing, but he himself can even be joyful in the midst of the circumstances that's happening to him while he's in prison. So with that information in light of what Paul's situation is while he's writing it with his circumstances, maybe the example he sets for the flipping believers and maybe for us in general, and his command to rejoice, the question still remains. Is it truly possible to be happy, to always be rejoicing? And I think you know, we want to be rejoicing, we want to be happy, but maybe the answer really depends upon the situation because always rejoicing, to always, I mean always rejoicing, to be always happy really depends on what's happening because it's a very difficult task. In fact, some people would argue that to be happy or to rejoice is beyond our human capabilities and suggest that happiness is just a temporary fantasy. Others would go further and state that happiness or rejoicing is just void and irrelevant. But I would completely disagree. I mean, consider the fact, who wants to go around being grumpy all the time? Now, admittedly, in the sinful world that we're living in, there are going to be plenty of times of sadness. All of us are going to have days. We've already had some. We're going to have more days. We're going to have weeks. Sometimes those weeks turn into months of great distress or hurt, suffering, hardship, and adversity. We face daily difficulties, troubled times, and tempting trials is going to face us in our lives. And, and through that, we, we can still rejoice. We can still be happy. It's hard. But the truth then that we need to realize becomes our theme really is this. That the Lord God Almighty gives every believer joy even in the midst of the most difficult times of their life. He can still give us joy. James recognized this fact when he said in James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials in various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The words of James then, coupled with what Paul is telling us in the letter of unraveling with chapter 4 of Philippians, tells us that even in our trials, even in most difficult days and circumstances, we can still rejoice and consider it pure joy even that we're having those trials and difficulties. Which seems to not make any sense at all. I'm not sure how often you read the message, which is a translation of the word, the Bible, through Eugene Peterson. I don't read a lot, but I like to refer to it at times for some alternate wording. And he takes the phrases here we're dissecting at this particular moment about facing trials and temptations. He looks at all that and says that as we're facing that and going through that, we all consider it a gift. Here's his word. Consider it a sheer gift, friends when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. And you stopped it for just a moment because when you think about any trial, any temptation, any hardship, any adversity, any suffering, any pain you ever had, who thinks of that as a gift? I mean, it's insane to think about those difficult times in life to be a gift. So why would we ever want to consider being a gift? Well, he says further, it is because you know that under pressure, here it comes. Your faith life is forced into the open 
and shows its true colors. When we're going through some difficult times, Peterson makes a great point that it's our faith that people begin to see in the midst of that time of difficulty and hardship and adversity. So when he says that, he really points us to the thing, the real source, the thing, the real source of anyone to have happiness, rejoicing, and strength during any time of difficulty, sadness, sorrow, hardship, the thing that makes us through it and helps people continue to see that we're happy and rejoicing is our faith. That's it. Bottom line. It's our faith that helps us to the ability we can have to rejoice, to be happy through anything that we're experiencing in life. Nora, we said earlier, has gone through 33 radiation treatments. And she's become an inspiration for all of us. When you look at all that she's been through and knowing all that she still has to go through, she's an inspiration. I mean, her motto is faith over fear. Pointing to the fact that regardless of anything that she has to go through, with radiation and chemo, anything related to the cancer, she still has her faith. And because she has her faith, she knows that she can always be she can always be happy and always be rejoicing. And thank you, Nora, for giving that inspiration to us and giving that example. Faith over fear. It's a great motto. When you have faith over fear, you can be always rejoicing and always be happy. That's the only way it's possible that any of us can rejoice in the midst of any difficulty. One word helps us to be rejoicing always, to be happy. It is faith. And in the text, when we go to Paul's letter here, he's writing to the Philippian believers, he's essentially saying the same thing. To let your faith prevail in every circumstance and rejoice. Which means three things then that we have to consider for today. Number one, that our faith can give us peace to guard our heart. Secondly, our faith can guide us into the truth. And thirdly, our faith can strengthen us in every aspect of life. Now, we're going to expand upon each of these. You didn't get them, we're going to come back to them. But the first one is our faith can give us peace to guard our heart. And Paul maybe says it best in verse 7. Where he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's worth repeating. We've already mentioned it. That Paul is writing from prison. But despite his circumstances, the entirety of the letter, of the flipping letter, we find not just, verse, not just chapter 4, but the entirety of the flipping letter is a letter of joy. But it seems so strange. I think that a man who is in prison, it's not going to be good conditions that he's in. But a man who's in prison would be telling the church, or telling anyone for that matter, to rejoice. But apparently he knows that's what these believers need to receive. And Paul reveals then that his attitude, I mean, it gives us an important lesson, that our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. But yeah, a lot of stuff can be happening, but you have to have this really poor attitude. You can still be rejoicing because of your faith, because of Jesus. I mean, Paul was full of joy because he knew no matter what happened to him, Jesus Christ was still with him. And here's the thing you need to know. No one can take that joy from you. No one can take Jesus Christ from you. 
He is with you. It is your faith that carried you through. And no one can take away your joy in Christ. Several times in this letter, Paul urged the Philippians to be joyful. It's most likely something, yeah, they need to hear, but so do we. I mean, it's easy. It's so easy in life to get discouraged. It just happens so quickly at times. Unpleasant circumstances take, take place. Unimportant events become way too important. It happens to all of us. In fact, it's way too easy to get discouraged. So if somehow, some way, you hear this morning and you find yourself not being joyful lately, it might be that you're looking at life from the wrong perspective, which means you might not be looking at life from the right perspective because you may be thinking that all your happiness, all your joy depends on you, which is the wrong type of thinking. All our joy rests in Christ. If you're focused upon your faith in Jesus Christ, which I said again, no one can take away from you, your joy is continual. If you focus your faith, focus upon your faith, your joy is continuous, becomes uninterrupted, it's always available around the clock, it's 24-7, and always, it's always, you can rejoice in all trials and all circumstances. Let me say it again. When you begin to focus upon your faith in Jesus Christ, your joy can be continuous, uninterrupted, despite what is happening. In every circumstance, you can have joy and happiness when you focus upon your faith in Christ. Now, there's the statement. But the question is, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? Because consider this, that, again, I don't know anyone who wants to be in a bad mood and grumpy all the time. I mean, I think about people who want to be happy. Now, yeah, maybe there's the Grinch and Scrooge, right? They want to be miserable and cause everybody to have a hard time and be grumpy and in a bad mood. That's Grinch, it's Scrooge. But those are fictional people. Everyone I know really wants to be happy. So when you think about being happy, there just seems to be like visions of unwrapping presents on Christmas morning. Didn't we always have a smile? Who got mad about waking up on Christmas morning, going to the tree, see all these presents in there, thinking, oh, no, I got to unwrap all these things? We don't get happy, unhappy about wrapping presents. We, we find joy, happiness in unwrapping things. We, we love it. Well, we kind of love it. When someone surprises for a birthday. If you don't like surprises, I guess you don't like it. But it's great when someone acknowledges a birthday. When we can have joy and laughter. And whenever we listen to a comedian that we'd like to be able to listen to. We have this unbridled laughter joy whenever having someone cracks a joke that's good, natured, that we'd like to listen to. We can have happiness, it seems. When, when you think about happiness and rejoicing, it also has visions of vacationing in your favorite spot in the world. Or some would be the beach, some would be the mountains, or wherever. We can also have visions of happiness and rejoicing when our favorite team, listen to me, when the favorite team clinches game seven in the playoffs. Or, if you happen to be the St. Peter's Peacocks, You can find joy unless you get beat by the Tar Heels today. Amazing, they might make it to the Final Four. 
But again, everybody just wants to be happy. And so we make this, we make the chasing the elusive idea of happiness. If you will, we make this idea of chasing happiness a lifelong pursuit. So what we do, because we want to be happy, we'll spend money, we'll collect things, we'll constantly search for anything that will give us any kind of happiness. But if our philosophy is to invest money, collect things, and constantly search for some kind of experience to give us happiness, what happens when those toys that we collect begin to rust? Or the money begins to run out and dry? Or there's dust upon the trophy? Or the championships and the glory friend begins to fade? What happens when we put our happiness in these types of things? So what happens when the party's over from these things? What happens is that despair sets in. And any happiness that we had flees. So here's the point of that. Joy and happiness is not found in any of those things. We've got to allow your faith to give you joy in your heart. The peace you need is found in relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have this type of peace of Christ in your life, you're joyful in every circumstance, in every situation, even like Paul is while he's facing prison. Dark, cold, damp, filthy place. Our faith can give us peace to guard our heart. And secondly, we said that our faith can guide us into truth. Now, as much as you must have faith in Christ, you must also put faith in God's Word. Notice how the children receive a message every week, and the leader leading the children in that time of message seems to always tell them, what about the Bible? What about it? It is true. Everything in here is true. And because God's Word is true, we have to believe it. We have to put faith in the fact that everything we see in the Word of God is true. Now, to make sure we make an illustration of this point, I have to go a little further, because we have to ask ourselves, in society today, in culture, many people ask, what is truth? Pilate asked the question. When Jesus standing in front of him, he asked the question, what is truth? But today, if you ask someone what is truth, you may get a, a weird answer, because they may not tell you there's anything that's called an absolute truth. But because today, to postmodernists, truth is all relative which means that what I make to think of truth is okay, but what you may think of truth is also okay. There's no absolute. It can always be changing, something different. That's the entire idea behind the postmodern concept. It leads to believe there's no such thing as any kind of absolute truth. What you want to believe is okay, what I want to believe is okay. But if there's no absolute truth, then what is the Word of God? Yeah, to, well, if there's to impose modernists, there is no absolute truth. So they say this is not anything close to being absolute truth. This is just a book. It's just a book you can read. Which is absurd because to a believer, to a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible is and must be the absolute truth. This is what Paul now is referring to in his second point we're making is that the absolute truth he knows, he stands upon, is the Word of God. He says in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
So what is true? The Word of God is true. What is honorable, just, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise? It is God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. It is the Word of God. All these things are lovely and honorable and just and commendable, worthy of praise. They're all true. So now I've stated repetitiously many times, worth remembering once more, that Paul is in prison. The believers of Philippi then are not happy. He wants them to be happy. He wants to be rejoicing, but they're not happy that Paul is being kept from them. They yearn to be with their brothers in Christ. Just like we we're part, we yearn to be back together again. They yearn to be with him. So Paul and the Philippian believers are very, very close. So since Paul cannot get to Philippi, he basically writes to these believers, his friends, to trust in the Word of God and to focus upon Christ. That God's Word is to guide them in the truth. That Christ is honorable, commendable, certainly worthy of praise. And that's the essence in the verse 8. To let the Word of God guide you to the truth. Let your heart focus upon Christ and think or dwell upon all these things that are honorable and pure and commendable. Here's the overarching point. The, there is nothing, there's nothing more sure, there's nothing sure in life than the Word of God and Christ's sacrificial love for mankind. Now think about that. There's nothing more sure in life than the Word of God is the absolute truth. And Christ's sacrificial love for mankind. And because that's true, we can rejoice. This is a simple and trustworthy basis of our Christian faith. But it's also one that we get perhaps challenged on the most. Believers face in today's society all kinds of challenges. We're always being challenged on the Bible. That is not true. It's not reliable. It's not sufficient. Many people will tell you if you read the Bible, they're going to tell you you're wasting your time. It's irrelevant. It's outdated. It can't help you anymore. Or it'll tell you if you put your faith in Christ, you're saying, well, there's no such thing as a virgin birth. There's no such thing as a resurrection. But they're all written in the Word of God, which we know is true. So Paul stands upon the Word of God as true. He stands upon it being sufficient and inerrant. He stands up on the fact that he knows Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's the Messiah. And he points all of us then, the believers of Philippi in particular, that we can count on the word of God to guide us in the truth. And further, he tells us the gospel is real. You're going to hear words like fake news. When you hear about the gospel, there is no such thing as fake news. It's real. And because all that is true, we can rejoice. As he tells them in verse 9. Is whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen to me, practice these things, and a God of peace will give you joy. He'll be with you. Our faith can give us peace to guard our heart, and our faith can guide us in the truth. And thirdly, our faith can strengthen us in every aspect of life. Notice in verse 10 that Paul seems gracious for his friend. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. So he has his friends to send him things. It doesn't spell it out necessarily in the verse. But Paul has had people to visit him in his cold, damp, dungy 
filthy prison. He's grateful for his believers. They brought in things he needed. So Paul rejoiced in the kindness and compassion of all these Christian believers in Philippi. Note in verse 11, he adds, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I mean, Paul was not seeking this. He was not seeking more. It tells us God gave Paul the secret and the gift of being content. Paul had learned what it is to be in need and to have plenty, but also to be content. In verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so Paul at one time had everything. He was a prestigious man. He had wealth, and honor, accolades. But now he's in prison. We shouldn't misread any of the verse. I mean, Paul seemed to be sure not to complain, and he was not sad. Which is why then in verse 13 he can see express that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Which is a verse that many people use today for everyday life to help them through it, to any situation to strengthen them and courage. God gave Paul strength to rejoice always, eternally, forever, and in whatever situation he was in. In the midst of prison, being accused, beaten. I mean, Paul is placed into prison for nothing else but proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. He's giving people the good news and gospel. That's why he's in prison. He's beaten. He can still find his strength in the Lord and provides reason to rejoice. There's no better reason to ever find happiness in a source of joy than our Lord. Now, if all that said, consider your life. Consider your life, consider your predicament, consider your circumstances this morning. Because God's message through Paul to all of us remains the same. There's a two words earlier. Through every circumstance we're having, Paul's word to the flippant believers, we're narrowed on the two words earlier, still applies to every one of us to rejoice always. So how do we react to difficulties and to hardships and adversity? How do you react to hardship, difficulties, and adversity? Any other way but having your faith to guide you through it to find joy and happiness is the wrong way. We can always have faith. Our faith can carry us through the times of difficulty. We can see happiness and joy. Nothing we do in life is ever about God. He will stand for us and not against us. Paul wrote to Timothy in the second letter, He says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack. And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. It's not upon our strength to get us through any kind of situation we have. It's dependent upon the Lord's strength and our faith we have in him. God brings us safely into God's perfect eternal glory. And because of that, that's worth rejoicing. When Paul again in writing from a place that none of us ever want to be. We think of prison, we think of something we see on TV or you may go visit somebody 
in these conditions that may seem horrible, but it's nothing what Paul's facing. I mean, Paul is in a filthy, cold, damp, dark hole in the ground, chained. But somehow, some way, he finds the strength to write a letter of encouragement. And the only way he could ever find the strength to find a letter to write to people to encourage them is because of his faith. So he tells them essentially that the secret of his joy is grounded in his relationship with Christ, which is his faith. We referred to earlier message, people today desperately want to be happy. I don't really know anybody who wants to go around intentionally in a bad mood all the time trying to make life miserable for someone. If you do someone like that, avoid them or pray for them because perhaps they have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, no matter what may happen to you in life, when we go through life trying to find all kinds of happiness, but the happiness we shall have shall be when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We can be tossed and turned by daily successes and failures and all types of inconveniences. But we have to put our faith in Christ to carry us through. Christians are to be joyful in every circumstance, even when things are going badly, even when we feel like complaining, even when no one else around us is joyful. We can still be joyful because Christ still reigns. Our faith gives us strength. Our faith gives all of us strength so we can be. If you watch Duck Dynasty, adopt the slogan. We can all be happy, happy, happy all the time because Christ gives us strength. It's all through our faith in Jesus Christ in which we can rejoice. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the message today. It's quite simple, but yet reminds us of the source of happiness and joy in our life. And that source, Lord, simply is your faith, the faith we have in you, the sacrifice you made for us, Lord. We can find joy in whatever we're going through because we know that you're with us, you're for us, and our faith, Lord, can prevail. So I pray for everybody here this morning, Lord, who's hearing this message now in person or perhaps listening later, that they're having any kind of hardship, adversity, difficulty. In the midst of their circumstances, Lord, I pray right now they would put that aside and concentrate upon their faith, the faith they have in you. And as they concentrate upon their faith, Lord, I pray they will receive happiness and joy. We thank you, Lord, because you are that source of joy for all of us. We love you, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.